Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi, it's share trader and journalist Caroline Stephen. Our guest on Talking Trading today is Tony Kynaston from QAV Investing, which stands for Quality at Value Investing. Jack Schwager, when he came onto Talking Trading, said one of the first things he learned talking to market wizards was that there are many ways to skin a cat and make money from the markets. Well, Tony's been trading and investing for over 25 years. He made every mistake under the sun. But when he read Warren Buffett's book, Making of an American Capitalist, he began to get serious results. And since then, he's been able to achieve a 19.5% average annual return, which is no mean feat. So today we talk to Tony about his investing methodology, the impact coronavirus has had, and the importance of not making investing too complicated with the old Irish calculator. You know what that is? Your fingers. But first, we have a bomb today with Jeff Mears as our unsung hero of the week. Here's Louise Bedford with his story. Our unsung hero for today is Jeff Mears. Jeff I always knew there was something special about you. So calm, so together, so sure of yourself. And you know, when I found out that your role in the army was bomb disposal, I actually wasn't surprised. Jeff, you have been a helper for us at our meetings for the mentor program for years and years. And you've done more than that. You have nurtured our traders. You've taken them under your wing. When somebody books into the mentor program from Canberra, you make sure that they know the people in the area who are their kindred spirits. And we have loved watching you grow in the markets and take that ability to calm yourself, to make an intellectual decision and not to be subject to your beating heart and your emotions before you actually take that trade. All of the skills that you have learned in bomb disposal have stood you in such good stead to be an exceptional trader. And as you travel around the world, because my goodness, it seems you're always on holidays, which I love. As you travel, just know that Chris Tate and I are behind you every step of the way. We love the changes you're making in your life, Jeff. But more than that, We love that you are helping others make changes in their lives due to stepping into the trading arena. Well done, Jeff, on being our unsung hero for today. Uh 
Hi, I'm Perry Kaufman, and I enjoy listening to Caroline on TalkingTrading.com. It's always a pleasure. I'm talking to Tony Kynaston from QAV, Quality at Value. Tony, hello, and welcome to Talking Trading. Hello, how are you? Tony, yes. what is your QAV method of investing, and how did you develop it? Tell us the story. Tell us the gossip. Yeah, well, it's, I've been investing for probably 25 years now, uh, and in the in the very very early days, I made every kind of mistake you could make under the sun. Take, taking tips from stockbrokers, taking tips from colleagues. Uh, I happened to work at the Shell Company, uh, the oil company back then, and so there was lots of tips on speculative mining stocks and oil discoveries and things like that. And lost probably half my capital in the first year. And then cast around and said, well, this is no good. I better find a way of trying to make it back. So I, I tried to read every book I could on investing, uh, subscribed to every newsletter I could find, uh, just did a huge deep dive. And luckily one day at an airport bookstore came across the, the uh, biography of Warren Buffett called Making of an American Capitalist. And that just uh, was a light bulb moment for me and changed uh, the way I invested and changed my life uh, and ever since then it's been an evolution process so uh, I don't necessarily follow everything that Warren Buffett does because I don't think anybody can and you know he's evolved down his paths and I've evolved down my paths but uh, probably taking bits and pieces from him from from uh, other books like Valuable by Roger Montgomery uh, books like The Checklist Manifesto which came out or maybe seven to ten years ago Anyway, all these different different books came out. Uh, I was searching around. I had some success, but I was trying to quantify my process, if you like. So The Checklist Manifesto was a particularly good book for me because it, it sets out how to systematise a process so that you, you're almost forced to follow a checklist before you do anything, and it's all written down. And doing that helps take the emotion out of investing and that's pretty important i think and so i was able to really focus in and say well what what are the key data points and metrics i'm looking for before i invest write them down uh, put them in a checklist make sure i follow them and then uh, use it as a scoring mechanism to to rank the companies i wanted to invest in and then invest in those are you a full-time trader i wouldn't call myself a trader i'm probably half trader, half investor. So uh, some of the stocks I invest in I've held for years and some of them I, I might turn over in a month or, or, or two. It depends on, again, it's, it, it's it, what, the, what the checklist says um, as I check it. So sometimes positions change and they exit uh, and sometimes they, they just go on like wildfire and you just hang on for a great ride. So kind of in between, I think. Um, am I full-time? No, I... When, when things are going normally and smoothly, so they're not at the moment, but when they are, I'd probably spend about an hour a day on it. But at the moment, I'm probably spending maybe three hours a day on, on things. There are plenty of opportunities out there in the market at the moment. You have to be a bit more active at the moment in reviewing them. So a little bit more work at the moment, yeah. So, Tony, how do you value a stock and determine what you pay for it? Are you a fundamentalist, a trend follower? Uh, bit of trend and a bit of fundamental, so mainly fundamental. Uh, I use, I use uh, very long-term trends 
more as a guide to stop losses or entry points into stocks rather than momentum investing as such. Um, so that's kind of a no-go no for me. If a stock doesn't have much sentiment and it's declining, then you're playing catching the falling knife, even if the numbers stack up, so I wouldn't buy it. But if I see it turn upwards and it, and it breaks a sort of downtrend line, then yes, and the numbers stack up, then yes. But, but in terms of how do I value it, uh, I, I use a metric which uh, I came across 10 years ago, which is price to operating cash flow. Uh, and the reason I do that is is because of a, I guess I can summarise it in a saying, uh, that, that cash is king and profit is an opinion. And so what, what I found over I like the years, yeah, they're trying to use things like P ratios or uh, even return on equity and things like that. There was always a certain amount of not manipulation but opinion in there. It, it came down to whether the the CEO thought that they should be putting more provisions aside this year or depreciating things quicker. Uh, All these kinds of accounting rules come into play once you get below the the top line of the the financial uh, statements. And the top line, very top line is operating cash flow. And it's it's a pretty good um, metric to look at because it's basically counting the cash coming in through the front door. So if 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 you don't have any cash, maybe you're not an investment a good investment, so that's the first sort of checkpoint. And then um, I, I do price to operating cash flow, which is similar to price to earnings, but it's a bit higher up in the in the financial statements. And then I, I, I rank, rank all the, the companies based on that. And uh, generally I find that once we get to a price to cash flow of about six times, I've got a nice portfolio of at least 20 companies I'm ready to invest in. So is that the size of your portfolio, 20 companies roughly? Uh, it's probably less than that at the moment because I went to cash as soon as the downturn started happening. So I, I'm not sure exactly how many I have, but maybe maybe half that, maybe 10 or 12 at the moment. Are they Australian or international? Yes, yes no, they're Australian stocks. Um, I have lived overseas for, for seven or eight years. Uh, and I found even though uh, it's tempting to look at the local share markets, I was in Canada for a while and I was in New Zealand for a while, uh, I didn't I didn't come across the sort of tools I have here, which I use to invest with, some of the subscription services I use. I use a, a tool called Stock Doctor, one called Share Analysis to give me quick access to the numbers. Uh, I, uh, I wasn't finding those kinds of tools overseas. And also too, I, you know, growing up in Australia, I know the companies here better. I know what a BHP is. I know what a Meyer is. I know what a National Australia Bank is. Um, and, and, that, and that kind of innate knowledge I think is, is, is also at least giving me some kind of comfort that I, um, I'm investing in, in a company that I, I can partially, at least partially understand anyway. What are your thoughts on why value investing is the best long-term strategy? What is value investing? Well, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner, says all investing is value investing. So that's the first thing to note. But basically what, what a value investor tries to do is to say, I've found a company I like, what's the price I want to pay for it and can I buy it cheaper than that price? And there's a whole lot of terminology around that with intrinsic values and margins of safety and things like that. But it's like going out and buying a piece of furniture or a rug. You don't just walk into the store and say, gee, I like that armchair, I'll buy it. You're going to try and shop around, you're going to maybe haggle a bit on the price 
all those kinds of things. You might compare it to some other armchairs to see whether a cheaper one is just as good, all that kind of thing. So, so value investing to me is, is paying attention to price. It's a, it's a separation of, of the two-step process of finding a good company but then finding a good investment, and they're very different things. Okay, so let's talk about coronavirus. It's led to a correction in global markets. What are your views? How do you trade during a downturn? Well, to be honest, the same way I trade during an upturn or any other time, I've got a checklist and I follow it. The difference, I think, at the moment is that um, because of the, of the downturn and sentiment, I was exiting out of a lot of my uh, positions, and so I went to cash. And now what I'm starting to see is that, that there, is some, there is some upturn in the market. We're finding that a lot of companies have withdrawn guidance and we don't have good figures to work off. So I'm kind of a bit cautious about going back in until I see what the companies are saying about their earnings and give us at least guidance or at least wait until uh, the next, next set of results come out. Um, they're not very good, by the way. So, you know, you don't need to jump in there quickly. Um, so yeah, so I'm still following the same process, uh, but it's probably a little bit more time consuming now because things are changing so quickly. And, and so for example, my, my normal watch list of stocks, uh, would be maybe, maybe 50 companies and it's sitting at about 250 companies at the moment because everything's, um, from a a price perspective looks great. We just got to make sure that uh, we get some good numbers to work with to, to make sure that what, what looks cheap now is going to also be cheap in the future. What determines an exit for you? For me, I'll hold on until I see a downturn in sentiment. So I, very simply, I take a five-year monthly graph and I draw a line across the bottoms of the, of the troughs in that graph. And once the, the graph goes below that, that line, then I sell. I might be buying. I might be buying a stock when it's super cheap. It might be trading on twice its cash flow, which which is really good because it means that in two years' time we're getting our cash back in the door that we paid for it. So that's good. Uh, but I might hold it when it's twenty times cash flow because it's just continued to go up and up and up and up and up. But if it if it then has a downturn, then I'll look to sell because there's always good opportunities to replace it. There's always value stocks in the market. Uh, a good example of that would be something like Fortescue Metals Group. Um, bought two or three years ago for I think about three dollars, and now it's up, up in the elevens. Mm-hmm. So you know it was a good value buy back then. It might even still be a decent value buy now, but it's certainly going up. Uh, the gold companies, uh, a lot of the gold miners I bought four or five years ago when they were just dirt cheap. I know nothing about gold mining, but my checklist was saying we should look at these companies, and they've turned around and now they're they're you know they're all home runs. They're all up four or five times since, since what I paid for them three or four years ago. Um, but I wouldn't buy them today because they're not meeting my, my value checklist uh, item. What are your thoughts on what it takes to be a really successful long-term investor? Uh, my, my thoughts are it takes patience and discipline. So uh, I think one of, the, one of the things I've discovered about people who call themselves traders or investors is they kind of have this stereotype in their head of their putting a suit on with a red tie and putting their two mobile phones up to their ears and saying, buy, sell, buy, sell all day. Um, I think that's a, a great way to make your stockbroker rich with the fees, uh, but it's not a good way to be an investor. So like I say, an hour a day, uh, I'll read the financial review. I'll, I'll scan a few ideas from that. I'll have a few alerts that I'll check. Um, I might, might run a market scan once a week, that kind of thing. Uh, 
if you have it, if you have a checklist like I do and can take the emotion out of investing, then you can be patient and disciplined. And so that's, I think, probably the, the, the secret to being a good investor. And is your basket the ASX 200? Is that where you look? No, or the whole ASX. I, I do. I'm probably being forced up to that sort of basket now because uh, I've had some problems in the past where I found some very compelling value in small cap stocks and slowly built a position. And then when it comes time to get out, uh, I'm basically pushing the price down because there's not they're thinly traded. So I'm now looking for stocks that have average, you know, average sort of volumes of you know in the millions rather than in the thousands. Uh, so that, that is pushing me up into that, that higher, higher level. Yeah. Tony, what else do you do with your time when you're not pouring over charts in the stock market? <laughs> well, until my friend Cameron got me involved in doing some podcasts, <laughs> which is becoming bigger and bigger uh, part of our time consuming, which, which is fun and, and it's great. It's, um, we have a great community, which I, which I love. Um, but I play golf. I have, a, I have a horse breeding partnership with a friend of mine. We've been doing that for a long time. Um, I've had one or two other small businesses that you know, didn't get off the ground for various reasons. Uh, up until the last maybe three or four years, I was raising my daughter. Uh, so and I, really, I really thought that was a great thing to do. I, we have a great relationship because I was able to exit the workforce when I was about 43 and, uh, and um, you know, take her to school every day and pick her up afterwards and be there as a, as a dad, which was great. If that's not inspiration to become a successful share trader, I don't know what he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, yeah. what is the last pieces of advice that you'd like to give share traders, either psychologically or in terms of investing? What would you say to them? Pay, pay attention. Well, we've covered a few things about being disciplined and patient and having a checklist and taking emotions out of it. But please pay attention, pay, sorry, pay attention to the fees and the returns you're getting. And have the self-awareness to say that if you're not getting good returns, find someone who's getting better and invest with them. Uh, so to give, to give a quick example, uh, there's, a, there's a, uh, a quick and dirty rule of investing about compound growth called the rule of 72. And if you divide your compound rate of return into 72, the result is how many years it takes you to double your earnings. And so to do the maths on one hand, you the old Irish calculator, if, if I'm getting if I'm getting 12% per annum, then uh, 12 into 72 goes six times. It'll take me six years to double my portfolio. But if I'm getting 14.4%, it'll take me five years because that's 14.4 into 72 is five years. Now people think, okay, it's only 2.4% difference. But if you think about it, if you take if you start with $100,000 and say you're investing for 30 years. Uh, and you have a 12% return, that 100,000 doubles five times. So 100 becomes 200, becomes 400, becomes 800, becomes 1.6 million. Nice return. But if you, if you get 14.4%, then you get, that, you get that extra extra doubling at the end, the sixth doubling. So it goes from being 1.6 to, to 3.2. So uh, you're missing out on, you know, a lot of money just by missing out on 2, 2.5% return now so pay very close write them down what are you getting as your long-term compound growth rates and do everything you can to just eke out that one or two percent difference and that could be things like uh watching your capital gains tax so when you take profits it could be things like 
um, not paying too much in fees. If you're in investor companies or in your own super, in superannuation funds, for goodness sake, check their fees. And not just the ones they disclose, there's often hidden fees in there as well. Uh, look at your, your brokerage on your share trades, all those kinds of things. But that 1% or 2% difference is really millions of dollars to you. Yeah, the law of compounding, the eighth wonder of the world. That's right. Yeah. I can't it's get over that. the Irish calculator. That's hilarious. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing about uh, investing and, and finances. There's a lot of people out there who try and complicate things. And one of the reasons they do that is so they can charge you a fee to tell you what it means. So if you can do things on the Irish calculator, um, you're not paying fees. Tony, is there anything you'd like to offer our listeners? Where can they go to find out more about you? Uh, so we have a, a QAV podcast uh, website. That's probably the best best place to go. Um, and we're on Facebook as well. But, yeah, we have, we have a couple of years' worth of podcasts out there now, and they're, they're quite welcome to go and listen to some of the old ones and, and the current ones. What's the website? Yeah, qavpodcast.com.au. Cool, Tony. It's really delightful speaking with you today. Thanks for your time. Good. Anytime, Caroline. It was lovely. And that's all we have on Talking Trading today. Stay tuned next week because we have sleep specialist, Dr. Frank Carl on the trader superpower, sleep. I'm Caroline Stephen. Take care. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.